Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, Edumagicians. Welcome to the Edumagic Podcast with your host, Dr. Sam Fesich. Dr. Sam is a professor of education, author of Edumagic, and a pumpkin spice latte fan. This podcast is designed for pre-service teachers. Remember, friends, teaching doesn't begin at graduation, but during that first class at 8 a.m. Let's get this party started. Hello, Edgy Magicians, and welcome to another episode of the Edgy Magic Podcast. I am so excited to have with me today a special guest, Dr. Lynn Hummel from Bloomsburg University. He is an amazing educator, and I believe we met about two or three years ago at PNC. He did a great presentation about communicating with parents using some technology tools that I know I brought back for my pre-service teachers. So, Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi, you're welcome. It's so exciting to be here and to share some adventures and stories with all of you. Yes, it's going to be a great adventure today at the Edgy Magic Podcast. All right, so let's get rocking and rolling. We're going to hop into our first question here. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about your teaching journey? Everyone has a great teaching story, and I'd love for you to share yours with the audience. Absolutely. Mine is very, very unique. Uh, I was actually an undergraduate student at Bloomsburg University, and my major was elementary ed and early childhood education. Really? Although, yes, absolutely. Wow. And Sam, you've never known me as an I elementary never knew that. No. early childhood ed teacher, and I honestly didn't have plans to go into the education field. <laughs> at, the, at the time when I was getting ready to graduate, there were hardly any openings available in Pennsylvania for elementary ed teachers. And so I, I didn't have my hopes up of this working out the way that I thought it would. And at the same time, I was selling things on eBay to pay my entire college education. So I was an entrepreneur and planning on moving on in the business world Because I was like, wow, I started this business out of nowhere and it is funding my college education. But I knew that I would have uh, my elementary ed degree, early childhood education degree as a backup in case something didn't quite work out or there was a hiccup in the plan. So I knew no matter what, I would be on solid footing moving forward either with eBay or with uh, education. And while I was in college, I was on the cover of eBay magazine, which was so cool to literally go to like Walmart and you see yourself on the cover of the That is awesome. Yeah. So it really, it really turned into something amazing. But then as part of my journey, one day a professor in my class came in and talked to us and said, you know, here at Bloomsburg, we have this amazing graduate program called Instructional Technology. And it turns out it was a master's of instructional technology, which I now work and a professor in the same department now today, which unbelievable, continue a big full circle loop. We'll get to that in just a couple of moments. moments. Uh, but I, I looked into it and I was like, wow, this is a perfect fit to go on and get an, an additional certification uh, to become an instructional technology specialist in a school district. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of adding on as many certifications as you possibly can. So that out of this story of my journey, one of those tips is if you have the opportunity to pursue additional certifications, you definitely should work on that throughout yes. your career as it will always open up additional opportunities. And, and I definitely am a, a living proof of, of that. Uh, and so it was a, a perfect fit to stay and get my graduate degree uh, while I was doing eBay because it was all about teaching people about technology and how to learn how to do things. So I brought the world of eBay and education together for that additional year and got my master's degree in instructional technology. From there, uh, it was time for, to, for an internship. And as I was finishing up my master's degree, I was still on the fence of, you know, are there any educational opportunities out there? Or is there something with eBay that I can continue? And I found an internship in a career technology center uh, in the, the center of Pennsylvania. And the director of the school, one of my uh, role models in the, the, the field of education, and it, it really took me, took me under his wings uh, for many, many years. Uh, we started out with the, an internship opening, and he said, you know, we need you to come and help out at the school with technology integration, but we don't have a job opening. Uh, there's, there's really just uh, a limited opportunity, but we'll, we'll see how it works out. Mm -hmm. and, and what do you know? On the third day, I went in and we went out for lunch and he offered me a job. <sighs> and I was like, you know what? This isn't supposed to happen until the, inter the end of the internship. And number two, you said there weren't any job openings. And number three, I, I don't think you can afford me. <laughs> <laughs> honest, this is an honest truth how this story went. And one thing led to another. I finished up the internship uh, in a very successful way, really enjoyed my time there so much that I did some consulting work and they did have a formal offer for me that I accepted. And that was my initial entry into the field of education as an instructional technology specialist. From there, I went on to add an additional certification to become a cooperative education coordinator. And oh. that's where my classroom experience came from. I stayed at the same school and I work with students to give them uh, uh, job opportunity, leadership, career awareness uh, trainings, as well as observing them in their in the field as they work at the career and technical career and technology center with their studies. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with career and technical education, as you listen to this, you really should look into that field. Uh, being a cooperative education teacher is one of the best jobs in the world. I had students placed at area restaurants and businesses all through the community, and it was my responsibility to, to go out and supervise them and make sure that they are successful with the skills and the careers that they are learning about through their paid positions as they go to school. Uh, I know I'm going on an awful no, this is journey, really cool. uh, but this is where it continues from. While I was at this school working as the co-op teacher and the technology specialist, I went on to get my principal certification. And as soon as I got my principal certification, I got a job offer in my hometown school district in Clearfield, <laughs> Pennsylvania, to be the assistant principal of the high school. Oh. And it was a really great opportunity. And I would have never imagined in a million years that I would end up working in my hometown school district as an assistant principal. Believe it or not, 
I actually became the supervisor of some of the teachers that taught me in high school. And for those of you listening, you might say, wow, that would be a really awkward situation to be in. (laughs) I was just thinking that. (laughs) It worked out really well as I came in and said, you know what? I'm here to meet many new uh, faculty members that are here. I know many of you already. Uh, and I know what a great staff all of you are. I have a lot of experience with technology and education and helping students learn. What can I do to help you? And we had so many valuable conversations and experiences and interactions throughout my time there that it, it was just uh, a warm welcome back into my hometown school district, which was just a, an outstanding experience. While I was working as an assistant principal, I was continuing on to get my doctorate in administration and leadership studies from IUP, which led to a assistant superintendent certification, as well as a superintendent certification from the Department of Education in Pennsylvania. And what do you know, as soon as I started to obtain those certifications, another job opening came up to become the assistant superintendent of the Cameron County School District Mm. uh, up in the northern tier of Pennsylvania, a very small school district, but a a really wonderful place to work and outstanding students and a a great place to be a school administrator. And so I was in that position for for several years and an opportunity came up, which I am now uh, talking about and and mentioned earlier, uh, an opening came up to become an assistant professor at Bloomsburg University uh, in the Department of Instructional Technology where this journey uh, pretty much all started uh, from my uh, transition from undergraduate of, uh, of college. And so here I am today, uh, still working with uh, teaching people about technology and learning. And I kept that as a focus throughout my entire career of learning about how people can bring technology into the classrooms, how you can be a successful teacher, how you can grow professionally from everyone you meet along the way. And so Even though my journey is very unique, uh, for all of you out there, this is something you definitely can can do. And I hope some of the stories I share along the way today will help you understand that you can set goals and become just have a, a fantastic career by focusing on the areas of interest with you and the the students that you're going to interact with in the classroom. I loved your story. I didn't know where it was going to go next. You kept making all these turns, all these amazing places that you've worked, but keeping the forefront of helping people, whether it be educational technology, whether it be um, practicing teachers and now future teachers, I think that's an amazing thread that you've kept throughout your career and the love of learning and always showing to be a lifelong learner through the additional certifications, through the coursework, That's amazing, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, some of those common themes that I talked about uh, that that others have shared with me, I try to then share with others. Like having an outstanding mentor. Uh, My mentor, uh, his name is Mr. O'Donnell. And literally, he took me under his wings and he taught me everything that he knew about education and leadership and just doing a great job working in the schools. And uh, I really give him a lot of credit for my success 
And so I take that to heart and I try to find others that I can share information and knowledge with to help them wherever I can. And so mentorship is such an important part of the process and finding somebody that cares and can help you with those questions and understanding their leadership style and learning from it uh, has was really a help to me. And it, it definitely would be, be beneficial for others to, to seek out a similar pathway. I agree. Mentorship is one great area of teaching. It, I think it comes into play during undergrad for student teaching and field work. What are some other ways uh, future teachers can find a mentor and start to get connected with other educators around them? Well, I, I know you talk about this often in your podcast, but a professional learning network, that PLN, is yes. a fantastic way to, to get mentors and to make friends with colleagues that have similar interests in the field of education. And that has totally happened to me over and over and over again. From the very first time I went to a professional conference, uh, it was the, the Pete and C conference they hold in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, every uh, uh, it's been every year. Uh, this mm -hmm. coming year, it's going to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, yes, but I the people that you meet there have the same interests as you, as educators, as those that are interested in integrating technology. Whatever your interest may be, you will find uh, a common thread of individuals that you can stay connected with. And when you have questions, they're there to answer your questions. They're also sharing things on their social media accounts and talking about their classroom experiences that you can learn from them even if you're not directly interacting with them every day. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Having a PLN and getting connected, it's just going to help you grow as an educator, going to conferences, following that conference hashtag, whether you're there in person or maybe virtually is a great way to start building those connections. And you're right, the conversations can start in Twitter and then end in real life. So whenever you guys get to meet, you know, at a conference or at a at an ed camp or something like that, or vice versa. And the conversations can continue from real life conversation at a conference on Twitter or Instagram, where we're making those professional learning network connections from people around the world. And, and a lot of the groups will be regionalized. So you have people that are nearby that want to get together for coffee after a, yeah. a day's work, or they'll have a picnic in the summer. And the, I, the conversations that you have with others at those events are so valuable. You can share some information and make some connections in five minutes that literally springboard the next six months of what you're going to be working on and the projects that you're going to do with your students. And, and it can transform everything in such a positive way without having to put forth a ton of effort because they're helping you with the resources, they're helping you with the plan, and even collaborating on some things so you can work together and make it not as difficult in the end. And one of those organizations, I would have to say, is PAECT, and you are very much involved in that. Can you share a little bit about that organization and how my listeners can get connected if they're from the Pennsylvania area? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I have been a member of this organization, PAECT, which stands for the Pennsylvania Association for Educational Communication and Technology. I know that's why they, they abbreviated into PAECT. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I've been a member of this organization for over a decade, and that has really been my primary professional learning network. I, certainly, I expand out to others and into other groups, but this is the, 
the, the main one that I have focused on throughout my career. And my role in, with PACT, with, with being a, a professor in higher education, has been to help those students that are in higher ed, whether you're an undergraduate or a graduate student, uh, to, to, to help you find your own professional learning network, connect with other students across Pennsylvania or even around the world that are connected with PACT. Uh, and we plan, uh, we have student chapters. Uh, we have, a, I believe, close to 10 student chapters now at universities Beautiful. across Pennsylvania, where students are working on projects in their own classrooms and connecting with others to share ideas and to collaborate on the, on the work that they're doing. Uh, we've had students go on to present at our statewide conferences. We, we organize a higher ed conference in April, the Technology Education Research Symposium. So undergraduates and graduates that are working on research and educational technology topics, they can come and present their work to other educators and professors in the field to get feedback on what they're working on, what they're going to do next with their research, and also uh, a great way to share what research they, they have already completed. Uh, and so it's been a very rewarding experience, and, and PACT is just a, a great place for all these individuals to uh, focus on and, and, and learn from each other that, that when they're involved with it. I couldn't agree more. PACT is a phenomenal organization. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes for those of you who are from Pennsylvania and are interested in joining. You can join as a practicing educator, administrator, a tech coach, higher ed, and then also for the future teachers in the audience, you guys can join as well. And what's the cost for it, Lynn? Just asking for a friend. If you are a member of a student chapter, uh, as an undergraduate in Pennsylvania, you can get a premium membership for free which is a $35 value. If you are a graduate, uh, graduate student or a professional in the field, you can join as a premium member for $35, but we also have a free membership version as well. So no matter where you are in the world, you literally can go to PAECT.org and join as a free member. Uh, a, a different conference, the ISTE conference, which just happens to be in Philadelphia this past June, uh, we had members signing up for PACT from all over the world. They were from <sighs> Brazil. They were from Argentina. There were a couple uh, from uh, countries in Europe. And they were signing up because they wanted to know what we were doing here in Pennsylvania with technology education. And they wanted to join our professional learning network so they could keep in touch with everyone that they met at the conference. And it was just a, a great uh, opportunity to meet them and have them sign up for our free membership opportunities. There you go, friends. You guys can sign up for a free membership, just like Lynn said, no matter where you are in the world. Go to PACT.org. Is that the right, is that the yes, right site? Right. Okay, go on, like, is that right? Um, and sign up to be a free member. There's, uh, with the free membership, you get um, the access to the newsletter, is that correct? Yes, you get access to the newsletter, invitations to events that are taking place uh, around the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, there are also uh, some, some discounts that you get if you join as a premium member. You get access to a website called Kite Learning where you can develop and share uh, curricular materials with other educators. Uh, and that in itself is a $75 value per year that if you're a premium member, you get for half the price. So it's a, a great benefit to uh, think about even paying just a little bit of money to have some of those extra perks along with your membership. 
Absolutely. And if you guys are interested in learning more about PACT, um, Lynn uh, is going to give us her, uh, some more information at the end, and I'll make sure that I have the link to the PACT website. You guys can just click on and join right there. We would love to have you join us just to learn more about different initiatives that are going on. And you all, in, that, in that newsletter, there's tons of tools and strategies to try out as well. Oh, definitely. I would be more than happy to connect with anyone that's interested and share some more information with you. And so I'll definitely provide that information to, to go along with the notes from the podcast. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Lynn, so let's think back to those days when you were at Bloomsburg as an undergrad or maybe as a graduate student getting your master's degree. Can you share with my audience a favorite teaching moment that you had during your college days? Besides the eBay magazine, which is pretty awesome. I hope I can find a picture of that and put that somewhere. Uh, that is so cool. Can you share a little bit about one of your favorite teaching moments, whether it be a moment that you learned from, a moment that impacted you? Maybe it was the moment that was, yep, I'm meant to be a teacher. What's one of your favorite teaching moments from whenever you were in college? You know, that, that uh, is a very challenging question to, to try to select just one because there, there are quite a few that I'm thinking of. But uh, all of my thoughts right now are taking back to my, my days of student teaching and some of the strategies that I was able to, to try and experiment with to get uh, student engagement and connecting with those students the best way that I could uh, to help them uh, learn the materials that we were covering that particular day. And but the classroom that I was working in, I'll be honest, it was not a technology savvy classroom. I think the teacher had a computer in the back of the room. I really didn't have access to a lot of technology around me at the time. Uh, so thinking about utilizing apps like Seesaw or Class Dojo or Go Noodle, uh, some of those fun apps that, that we think about now, uh, it just wasn't quite there yet as, as an option. Uh, what I did was to be as creative as I could. Uh, so I would work with the students, and I'd have a, a jar with popsicle sticks, and I would have the students' names on the popsicle sticks, and I would make sure that I was going through and asking questions and and getting responses and feedback from students that this was done by having them pick out a random name out of the popsicle stick and that person would, would get to be selected next. So it, it wasn't a punishment to be called on. We weren't having volunteer overload where one or two students were being called on all the time because they wanted to talk. Right. It, was, it really distributed and equalized that classroom. And um, the students appreciated it, even though they were only, I think, fourth graders at the time. Uh, they, they understood the fairness, and we set classroom rules together and expectations of what we should and should not do as, as students in a class. And so uh, just understanding classroom management and making sure that the students respect and understand each other as well as everyone else in the school mm. uh, is, is a great start to the educational process. Respect and rapport and building that within your classroom as a student teacher is so important because it, it really does go both ways. Yes, and, and also making sure that your students feel safe. Uh, safety is a, is a big thing in schools. It continues to be uh, every single day. And there are things that you can do to help your, your classroom environment uh, feel like a very safe school environment. And so I would definitely recommend that you... Uh, do whatever you can to make your students feel safe, comfortable, 
and respect, respected in their classroom environment. I agree that that is beautifully stated. I love that that really, you don't know where a student's coming from. You don't know their backstory until you get to know them, build those relationships and creating a space where they feel safe and valued is so important from pre-K all the way up to the college level. And, and you have to make decisions that make sense. You're going, to be, you're going to be asked to make a lot of decisions and your decisions will have an impact on your school environment. Uh, this one, this story that I'm going to tell you next, it, it's about making smart decisions, even though if you followed the letters of the rules, it didn't quite sound like I was making a sound decision. So I was in an administration meeting one day and the, the food director was sitting at the table and uh, the cafeteria, the lunches, they were pretty good lunches, uh, except there were some new rules that were being passed on to the cafeteria. And it was stated that we are no longer gonna have the ketchup dispenser in the cafeteria. We are gonna be switching to uh, ketchup packets tomorrow due to federal regulations. <laughs> and I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm, I'm not sure this is, it wasn't on my radar of a big problem yet, but I was like, this is something I'm going to be just a little suspicious of. I, I'm not quite sure. So within a week, the seniors would eat their lunch first, first thing in the morning. Well, it was, we called it the morning, but it Technically for them, it was lunch, like 1030. That's a little early for lunch, but whatever. Mm -hmm. So they, they would go through the line. They would take the ketchup packets now that we had to use, and they would not use them for their lunch. They would take them down the hall to the bathroom, and they would very gently place them underneath the toilet seat. <laughs> and when the freshmen would go to the bathroom, they would get ketchup everywhere. <laughs> so after this happened one time, I only let it happen once because it was not going to happen again with this ketchup packet federal regulation. I went down to the cafeteria and I had a very nice conversation with our director of food service and I took ownership of the change. I said, we need to change this back. Bring the ketchup canisters dispensers back. The packets will, will no longer be used. And if the federal government shows up at the door, which they never did, blame it on me. <laughs> and, but it's just a common sense decision to, to prevent problems from happening, to make sure that students feel safe and that nothing bad is going to happen to them. If you can do that with ketchup, you need to do it. And I love it. It's, and that approach goes with everything else in life as well. Just make common sense decisions that will help others and it, it will go a really long way. It really will. Using common sense, I think, is definitely part of the battle when it comes to teaching. What makes sense for students? Yes, absolutely. So if you're in a student teaching environment and you're entering a new building, uh, I would recommend you do everything you can to learn about everyone there. Don't just learn about your, your students and your co-op cooperative teacher. Learn about the administration, uh, learn about the, the, the library and the services they offer, uh, if they offer any sports or programs after school or have any events going on, make sure you take part in them. I know you're student teaching and you have long days and the last thing you want to do is go to a book fair or a little festival on a Saturday, but 
you know what? Oh. You, might, you might have fun, number one. And number two, you're going to have some experiences and exchanges with uh, potential school board members or administrators that may hire you a few months later. Right. And so you need to, you might not be thinking of this at the time. And it's really easy to just get focused on, oh, I need to get as far away as I can every weekend. But that's not how you make those connections and uh, have opportunities come up that you might not even see that take place by attending things like that. I agree. I think it's so, it's so important to get out of your, like I say, regular scheduled program, especially when it comes to student teaching. This is like a, a seven, eight, 14 week interview at that school. So go all out, bring your A game each day for those students and invest in that community and in that school. That's right. And there might be a school play or a, a band concert or chorus concert. Get involved with the arts and the different opportunities that the students can be involved with. And it will really benefit your experience and the outcomes that you take away from that student teaching experience. I, I cannot stress enough how much that can help. Uh, I was involved with music all throughout uh, my, my schooling. Uh, I played the, the saxophone and violin, and what do you know, I am still in the Bloomsburg University Community Orchestra. Oh. Once a semester, I go each Monday night, I play the violin, we have uh, two concerts each spring semester, and the things that I learned from being involved with music have carried on with me throughout my entire life, and it's just a, a great getaway from that stressful work week and is still rewarding to me to this day. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And it just goes to show to stay involved in your passion areas, even when you're teaching or student teaching, that you can find time to, to still enjoy yourself and enjoy your hobbies. Yes, absolutely. So we are uh, on the Edumagic podcast. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention any areas of Edumagic. What are some areas you want to talk about today for some of the listeners out there as it regards to those, in regards to those areas within um, the acronym? Well, I think we have definitely stressed the always be part already with being yes. mindful, gracious, to being an advocate for students. We have definitely covered that with, with some of the stories that we have shared uh, thus far. We have also talked about unite your professional learning network, uh, being able to be involved with others in PACT, uh, for example, from my perspective, and helping those uh, students in our student chapters and all across Pennsylvania that want to expand upon and learn from others, I think that is a, a great one. Uh, educate and engage uh, is, a, is probably one that I'd like to tell another story about. Go and for it. Where you really, when you educate and engage with others, uh, you can make a difference and work on projects that might, not, that might expand way beyond the walls of a classroom. Uh, one of the first projects that I worked on at the Green Technology Center with part of my internship was to write a needs analysis to start a brand new community college in Pennsylvania. And you might be saying, what in the heck is that? Well, there was a proposal at the time that they were planning to uh, provide community college access to residents of central Pennsylvania that, that otherwise didn't have access to a, a community college nearby them. And a needs analysis is a proposal that I learned how to write uh, during my graduate studies in instructional technology that outlines 
what what needs the community has and and what justifies uh, creating a brand new community college in Pennsylvania. And so I had the skills to put this plan together as part of my internship work and submitted it to the state of Pennsylvania. And our school received a $50,000 planning grant to help uh, plan and start up a community college in the middle of Pennsylvania. Wow. It, it sounds, wow, that's really cool. And, wow. great. and it was an amazing experience to, to get started with this. And it went on and on and on for about seven years. This project went on. It, it got so big that it, it actually left our school and went on to our local intermediate unit and they took it over and they got as far as they possibly could. And one thing led to another and it did not work out. Hmm. There, there was a roadblock with the funding streams for this community college that prevented it from happening. Uh, also, along the way, this is another part of my journey to, to how I became a, a professor, uh, other individuals, after it left our school, uh, took a lot of credit for the work that I was doing as an intern to get, this, to get everything started. Literally, we're on the front page of the new local newspaper saying, oh, this was my idea from... Oh, my gosh. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let that happen again. I need to continue my education, get my doctorate, and then when I do projects... I can put my name right there and no one else is going to steal the ideas that I had to, to get things started, mm -hmm. especially when you're thinking about starting a whole new community college. And after the project went on and on, I always had sort of kept in touch with the information and knew what was going on with it. When I became an assistant superintendent, another group of individuals in a different part of the state, uh, uh, up, to, up in the northern tier of Pennsylvania, uh, they came to me and said, you know what, we have a group that's looking to get a community college up and running. Uh, we, we know that you've worked on a project in the past. We'd like you to be on our committee to make this happen. And so began that, I, I believe it was an eight or nine year journey where we started the planning process and we took a technology-based approach to start this new community college where students would go to their local school, their local library or educational uh, community center and video conference with other students in their class as well as the professor to create this model of a community college that doesn't have a campus. Oh, and wow. We took everything I learned with my last community college startup that didn't work and we flipped the table and we took the strategies that we knew would work and we got it up and running as a pilot and so we would uh, we we would work with other universities to provide the coursework for accreditation purposes and get the the framework and the structure set up and wouldn't you know it worked all the roadblocks were overcome. We got approval from the Department of Education. And within the past year and a half, the Northern Pennsylvania Regional College was officially founded. They now have a president and administration. And our working group literally started that years and years and years ago from an idea and a challenge, which there hadn't been a new community college started in Pennsylvania since uh, either the 1960s or 1970s. And it now serves over 10 counties of Pennsylvania from Erie, the whole way down to Emporium, Cowdersport, Warren, and, and everywhere in between to provide those residents of Pennsylvania access to a community college that they really didn't have access to before. And they don't have to drive a long way to get to 
the, the classes that are held using video conference technology. That's incredible. It is. And that, what this should tell all of you that are listening, no matter where you are or what you're working on, think about the impact that you can have and the, the knowledge that you can share to do great things and to really be able to help others uh, with, with the, the opportunity to, to have access to education and to learn wherever and however you want. And technology is a big part of, of making that happen. It really is. It really can help, like in this example, make the impossible possible for those students who couldn't get to a physical location, but they can still participate in their learning. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would have never dreamt in a million years that a, a small little project that I started with, with my internship in graduate school would lead to something that I would pretty much work on throughout my entire career and finally get to see it happen. And it was so rewarding to go to the inauguration of the president wow. and to see the, the big fancy ceremony and, and <clears throat> continue to get updates of how now they're accredited to grant diplomas and, and to watch this community college thrive and to grow now that it's being officially formed and, and on its own. That's an incredible story. And it, it also goes to show you never know what work you're, you'd be doing where that can lead you and lead your career. Absolutely. And it was all volunteer work. You know, everything was driving to all over the state of Pennsylvania for meetings and uh, doing surveys and collecting data and making decisions to, to build enrollment. And it was just an outstanding opportunity that I enjoyed tremendously. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, that, that great story about how so important it is to engage in your work and to be meaningful in, in the work that you're doing. And, and by no means do I want to take all the credit for that. There was a, a, a huge committee. The, the, uh, the ECUA committee was a, another great professional learning network for me and had tremendous colleagues that, that did a ton of work as well. And so it was definitely a joint effort between many, many people and stakeholders. Sounds like a very dedicated team. Absolutely. So I know we've shared lots of advice for pre-service teachers during the, this episode. I, I'm going to have a hard time picking all, all these nuggets out, but do you have any additional advice you want to share with my listeners? Uh, well, I would, I would challenge you to pursue your dreams and to make sure that every, everyone that you interact with uh, has a positive interaction, a positive learning experience, an opportunity to learn from you. And that's one of the things that led me to my absolute favorite, uh, what I consider to be everyone's dream job. And as a, as a young child, my sister and I, my, my parents made a big mistake and they, they took us on a cruise at a very young age. <laughs> and after that, we're like, you know what? They can't go on a cruise by themselves ever again. We want to go every time. And that led me to think of how I could use my passion for education to go on cruises for free. And that, that idea led me to some exploration and figuring out how to become a cruise ship lecturer. Uh, so in the, in the past year, I literally went to Bermuda a, a couple months ago for free by sharing on the cruise ship stories about pirates, stories about the history of the Bermuda Railroad and all kinds of information to give the passengers a perspective and a learning experience about what to expect when they get to the destination that we're going to. 
Uh, and so it was a, a really neat uh, opportunity and uh, that, that exploration and passion and drive to understand what you want to do and then to go out and accomplish it, that is something that I would urge all, everyone listening to continue and to, to strive for. And I got to be honest, when I first heard that you were a cruise ship professor or lecturer, I was like, that is the best job ever. That is so cool. It is really cool. The last summer, we went on a, a very small cruise ship, the Victory cruise ship, and we, we cruised the Great Lakes from Toronto to Chicago. And on that ship, uh, I was a technology lecturer. So the, the passengers, uh, they... They were up there in age a little bit, the average passenger age, and they a lot of them didn't know how to take selfies. So we learned how to take selfies and to share them with family and friends on social networks. And it was just a, a really cool experience, and the passengers just loved the support and the guidance with learning what, what to many of you listening seems like, oh, that's really simple. I could do that in a heartbeat. Well, there's others that would really struggle with that and need some guidance, and just providing that structure to them while they're on vacation makes it a fantastic vacation for you as well. Absolutely. That is so fun. Oh, Lynn, this has been an amazing conversation. We went a lot of different directions, but tons of information for those edumagicians listening out there. How can they find you online when they want to connect with you? The best way is to find me on LinkedIn by searching yes. for Lynn Hummel, Bloomsburg University. I have a public profile, really easy to find, and I share a lot of the different events and different things going on with PACT and items that we talked about that you can get involved with. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been wonderful joining you and recording this fantastic podcast. Thanks. there you have it, edumagicians. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it with your friends. For more edumagic, check out sfesich.com and follow Dr. Sam on Twitter and Instagram at sfesich. Until next time, you have the edumagic within you.